Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. My name is Connor Haas. I'm here with Mike Shera and we're excited to be with you. Uh, we're going to dive right in. The, the topic in front of us today is why repent and reconcile. And if that sounds familiar to you, it might be because you could have heard a sermon from Mike on that exact same subject uh, in, in the previous uh, weeks. But we're doing a post-sermon follow-up today and we're going to re-engage with this question of why repent and reconcile and particularly talk about reconcilia- reconciliation and pursuing that in some some of the challenging, just nuanced situations that come up in life. Um, and we're even going to respond to a few questions that came in, Mike, as, as a uh, as a follow-up to your sermon. So let's get into this. I'm going to pose to you the first of those two questions, and then we can start to just kind of bounce back and forth. But okay. someone asked this, in light of Sunday's sermon, what does not bring it up again and keeps no record of wrongs mean practically? How do you avoid bringing up old problems that shed light on current relational difficulties? Mm-hmm. Good question. Those are great questions, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna make them two questions. I think they were meant to be two questions, but they are very related. Okay, so what does not bring it up again and keeps no records of wrongs mean practically? And then it leads into this. So, for example, there's ongoing problems. This person seems to be pointing out that there are some old problems that continue in the current in the current time okay so right. we're going to take it that way hopefully we, we're taking this question in the right way let me go ahead and start with the first two because the first two are important now i preached matthew 5 21 to 24 and then matthew 18 specifically verse 15 and both of those verses are telling us if you have sinned against someone, you go and initiate uh, repentance and reconciliation. You repent and you go and apologize and you make it right. Right. But if someone has a sinned against you and they're not coming to you with that repentance and reconciliation, you're to go to them. So whether you've been sinned against or whether you have sinned against someone, the answer is the same in Jesus's economy as for a believer is you are to go your moral imperative is to go and attempt to make things right. This is like, uh, you know, in Romans 12 where it says, as far as possible or as far as it depends on you, be, be at, at peace, peace with all people. Yep. And the idea that it's most loving to go and address it with the person so that there doesn't remain an unreconciled relationship. Now, if you're talking about situations in your home where you're dealing with children or even a spouse that you're dealing with ongoing problems, Everyone deals with ongoing problems and not everything is a sin issue though. Everything stems from our sinfulness Okay, so that not everything is a correctable offense that you have to go or else Jesus would have said Every single moment of every single day you're being sinned against because everyone is sinful, right? This is the thing that's really obvious. It's it's kind of the egregious thing, right? It's it's the one that clear. Yeah, it's yeah, it's clear act against you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let me go ahead and answer that answer this what does it mean to not bring it up again or keep no records of wrong? A practical way just in a, in a vacuum is you don't, to not bring something up again means you don't bring up a specific repented of sin ever again. Now that's really hard for us. Most of us don't do that. But it literally means you won't bring that particular instance up again. Now, I realize that sometimes we can get around that and say, you always do this or you always do that. Now, we're sinning, okay, because we're accusing, right? And we're, oh, we're just making observations. Well, hold on. You know, Jesus wants us to be self-aware and not 
to be so aware of the other person that we are blind to ourselves. So not bring it up again means don't bring up a specific repented of sin again. So when you've won your brother, you've reconciled, everything's good. You should let that go. If there's been a pattern over and over again of offenses, now you're in a different realm. Okay. Hmm. Now, the second part about no keeping record of wrongs is similar. Don't keep a record of wrongs. Like, don't keep a tally sheet or a scorecard so you're almost like waiting for them to mess up again or they get to a quota that, you know, when, you know how, have your parent ever said this to you? Did your mom or dad ever say, I've had just about enough of that, Connor? Yeah. Yep. Okay. What it means is you're almost filling up the measure of right, your sins right, to the point yeah. where I am now going to respond yeah. in in a way that you're not going to like. So I've had just about enough of that. Yeah. Meaning you can do that a couple more times and then I'm at my limit. So this is tough because the question of not, oh boy, how do you put this? Avoiding bringing up old problems that shed light on current relational difficulties can be somewhat loaded, okay? If there's ongoing issues that are getting repeated or at least are related to things in the past, wisdom is learning from the past. You have to be careful not to be harsh, or passive aggressive, but if, if it's an ongoing issue, maybe it's not in this sin category. And what I mean by that is if your brother sins against you, there's an instance and you go. Or maybe it's a string of things they did, but you, you settle it. That's supposed to be, then the, you heal the relationship by not bringing it up again. And that if you do bring it up again, I said this on Sunday, if you bring it up again, it means you didn't forgive. Because you're, you're flavoring your relationship with this person by your remembrance of their sin. Right. The whole idea of Jesus forgiving us, God forgiving us in such a way where our sins are as far as the east is from the west, and that God says, I will remember their sins no more, the all-knowing one doesn't forget. He chooses not to relate to you any longer on the basis of your sin, but but he sees you with Christ's righteousness. So we then make a very painful choice to not relate to that person based on how they sinned against us. But what is our natural inclination? We let it flavor our, our thoughts and we simmer in it and we stew in it so that whenever we see them, we're upset at them because we're always rehearsing this in our mind. I think that's different than a spouse having a... Uh, a challenge with their spouse or even disciplining the child. This would be a, a person that you're not around, you know, so often in the day, but you kind of create this ongoing rift because you're always keeping score. You're always thinking about what they did. You're, you're, you're imagining them coming to you to apologize. You're planning out your revenge, you know, things like that. And, and I think these questions, this question comes from a I'm sure from a heart that is like, I really want to do the right thing. Right. So what does it mean to not bring it up again or keep no record of wrong when, when there's old problems that shed light? I'd want to know. There's some things I'd want to know. I'd want to know what, what is, how does it shed light? How does the old problem inform the current situation? In current, the, inform the current situation. It sheds light on it. What does that mean this person has a history of not repenting of their sins or doing the same thing now you're in a in a in a different realm because mm. if you're let's say a parent with a child you don't get to say you know three strikes and you're out right <laughs> so no um, I'm your parent for your whole life and I'm gonna parent you until you you know are launched out of the nest but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best in in God's strength Christ's strength and for his glory to be a good parent to you or to and even your spouse you are till death do us part 
So you don't get to say, well, you did this or that. Now, there are some things that are grounds for divorce and things like that. And we you know, get into a lot of other things right. there. But I'm thinking about just normal daily yeah. living things. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a follow-up question. I hear a lot of people in the conversation about forgiveness throw out the idea, well, you forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean that you have to, to you know, arrive at the same exact relational place that you were before. Mm-hmm. There might be a, a, the one that I think is often uh, thrown out is there's, a, there's now a loss of trust with that person. You've mm-hmm. heard, you've heard this, sure. you know, oh, sure. I forgive them. Right. But I don't trust them the way that I used to. Or, you know, I, I have to see the relationship mm-hmm. differently now because of what's come out. How do, is that is that a appropriate way to respond? Right. Is it wise in certain instances? I mean, I, you mm-hmm. can think of instances of abuse or something really serious happening where it necessarily has to inform our response. Now. Absolutely. So, so if you're talking, how, where's the yeah. line on that? Well, if you're talking in an abuse situation, you don't you shouldn't be around that person. OK, right. but if you're talking about the first situation you point out where someone comes to you and they apologize, but you say, well, you broke my trust. And I mentioned this on Sunday in my sermon. Trust needs to be rebuilt. And the relationship can be better than before, or it might not be what it ever was again. But we have to remember something. Our sin always informs our choices, okay? So like, for example, you come to me and you say, Mike, I stole $50 out of your wallet the other day when, when you weren't looking. Right. I'm like, really? I didn't know, there was, I didn't know it was in there, you know? Uh, no, I, so you stole it and you give it back, okay? I've been meaning to ask your forgiveness for that, by the way. Absolutely, yeah. no worries. Yeah. You can have what, what is mine is yours. You can yeah, just have whatever you want, you. okay? If there's ever cash in my wallet, it's it's a you know a unique I just day. Look at anyway, you know? they shared all things. I take what I uh, there you go. Take Here, what I need take from what your wallet. I, I've got some. I got some cash right now. But wait, hold on. I've got five. Wait, five, six, seven, eight. Oh man, here's eight bucks. You're rolling. You go. No. go hey, no, live it up. No, live it up. That's yours. All right, all right. Uh, listeners, just so you know, I just gave Connor Hass eight dollars <laughs> in real cash. Most people don't don't. Don't use the cash anymore, but I do. Man. So I just gave you $8. You can do whatever you want with that. Take your wife out for dinner, you know, at, uh, at Taco, Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, Taco Bell. Or Taco. No, so seriously. Okay, so here's the thing. Someone comes to you. So you come to me and you, and, and you say, I did this. And I'm thinking to myself, Connor is a thief. Okay, now we're all lying thieves, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things. But you thieved out of my wallet. So I'm not going to trust you around my wallet for a while. What would it take for that trust to, and let's say I have to be hanging around you for any length of time. Yeah. What would that take for me not to like watch my, my wallet around you? Well, it's going to take time. It's going to take me, it's going to take uh, you showing that you don't do that anymore. It's going to take no money to be missing. But at some point in time, if I am always thinking Connor is a thief and he's going to steal money from my wallet, then I'm wrong because what I'm doing, you you repented of it, you changed, you haven't done it again. And if I always label you the thief, I am now still relating to you on the thing that I said I had forgiven you on. I didn't forgive you then. So it's one thing to be wary and say, I'm gonna be careful, okay? It's another thing to label someone as a thief or a liar or a right. or a, uh, a cheat, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and I think we have to be careful because mm-hmm. We always paint ourselves in the best possible picture and paint the other person in the, the worst possible picture. Yeah. And we have to be careful, you know, in those kind of situations. So, yeah, but you got to be wise. And if someone embezzled money from a company, they should get fired right. and they a, shouldn't be coming back. The justice still needs to be done in those, yeah. in those situations. I think the amount yeah. of the offense. And, and again, if, if you steal money from my wallet, I'm sorry, everyone, he doesn't steal money from my wallet, but I gave him eight bucks. Um, so he, he, he can't steal anymore. There's no more money in my wallet. Um, uh, 
if you do that, will I ever forget that you stole money from my wallet? Probably not. I probably won't. But I can choose to not to re- relate to you on the basis of that sin. Right, right. No, that's and that's the active choice of love that does that. And so yep. apply that to your relationships. And I think I think you can see if, if, if there's an old problem that sheds light on a current relational problem, I think that means that the old problem might not have been resolved. And there still needs does to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And in that case, there still needs to be conversation to come to, to come to a place where mm-hmm. there's total forgiveness. and Right. Because yeah. not, not everything in life is so cut and dry where it's like, well, that, you know, there's a, there's a direct end. Like when Jesus said, look here, you're, you're, you remember your brother has something against you and you've done things. Basically you, you're, you're, you're saying things about them or you're doing things that are wrong. And the, the sins that he lists in verses 21 and 22 show that. And then, and then you get to the verse that says, now you, you're trying to worship God and you remember your brother has something against you, something valid. Leave your gift, go and be reconciled. That would mean you repent of your sin, you apologize, whatever restitution might need to take place if there was, you know, goods involved or whatever. Right. Or just saying, you know, I shouldn't have said what I said. Right. I, I'm very sorry. Please forgive me. Now, and if they say, look, I understand. And, and now there's pain involved with all of this. And it takes a while for a, a, you know, even like for a cut to heal. Yeah. And then there's a scar. Like I have a scar right here on my, on my wrist from a day camp. Uh, I got cut at a, during a, a day camp in Downey in 19 like 86 and I still have that I, I live with that that scar right there yeah every we were having a water fight seriously it was like <laughs> on a 100 degree day I have that scar there and I see it every day on my wrist well the scar remains but now I look at it fondly like oh yeah oh yeah that mirror. but in the moment at the moment and I'm sure whoever did it I'm like you just cut me yeah. you know <laughs> it was a, it was an accident yeah so I, did, I got over it quick yeah but it took a while to heal and then there's a scar so there's going to be relational scars, but you don't want to push your emotional baggage on everyone else. Totally. No, so that's makes, what you have to be careful it about. It makes a lot of sense. This this may be a good transition point. You mentioned that it's not always uh, cut and dry. Do you have mm-hmm. any, any thoughts, uh, just quickly on this second question? Someone wrote in and asked, what if a person makes an attempt at reconciliation, but the other person refuses to reconcile? So that's kind of one of those, mm-hmm. those sticky situations you could imagine. Okay. What course of action should the first person take? Okay. That person who's wanting to reconcile. Right. Let me go ahead and answer that very quickly. And then we'll pick it up next week with this same question. Okay. Okay. So in Romans chapter 12, it basically gives us a picture where it says, as far as possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. And I want to point something out about that verse. So you've got the idea that, um, that you are to live in harmony. Okay. And that it says in verse 18, so Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all the idea is it's ongoing. Like as far as it depends on you, not like I tried once and I'm walking away that you keep trying. Now, sometimes we keep trying with someone and they just keep ignoring us and it's just really painful at some point, you just have to let just it go and go realize go. I've done as much as I can. But I think most of us will stop short of doing as much as we can. So as far as it depends on us, what can we do? I think if we're thinking, what could I do to bring this relationship back together? And Lord, please help me. And Lord, I pray for the good of that person, not for their ill will, not no, no ill will towards them. I really want my relationship with them to be good. Lord, help me know how I can, mm-hmm. how I can you know, bring peace here. It's more than just trying once. 
And let's stop there and we'll pick it up next time. Great. Okay. Yeah, that's super helpful. Yeah. Um, thanks for that, Mike. Listeners at home, we love you and we're thankful for you. We're going to uh, resume this conversation next week. So tune in again for that. Until then, have a great week uh, loving the Lord and serving him. And we'll talk to you next time. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.